We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers pod on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, genuine football know-it-all, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? Oh, man, nothing. Just uh, just whew, one month. One month away. I know, dude, that is going to be a long-ass month. Yeah. That's going to be a long-ass month. It's been a long, like, three, four days. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know what I, I laughed at? Because I was thinking, because you're right, I was like, man, I thought that, like, the 49ers picking at 12, like, had everybody riled up about all the options. And then them moving to three, where it became essentially one option or or one position. And I figured that would kind of narrow it down and kind of calm the atmosphere. And if anything, it escalated because instead of, instead of uh, like people becoming so passionate about what the 49ers should do at 12, they took all that passion and they turned it on who they should pick at three. Like it was like everybody needed something to fight about. So they're like, let's, let's make it this then, you know, like it's been funny to see it all pan out, man. It's, it's yeah, been, it's been awesome. I've been on the edge. I mean, I, I've been calling like, you know, like I talked about on the podcast, like calling my homies or not my homies, but you know, former coaches and just being like, Hey, uh, 
you know, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Like, as if they have any say-so on who the 49ers pick. <laughs> well, I mean, you're just trying to put your mind at ease. But it's, it's still not at ease. So, I mean, it helped. <laughs> as long as Mac Jones is in the picture, it ain't going to be at ease. Like, period. My my mind is not going to be at ease. Right. That's hella funny, man. And I, and I get it. I get it. I try to – because, you know, everybody knows that in my heart of hearts, I'm still a 49ers fan. But – I try to to keep myself locked into that kind of someone who covers the team mentality as much as I can. If if anything else, just to avoid the anxiety of of all this shit, you know, like I'm just protecting myself and, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm not that good at it, but so anyways, today is mailbag day. We know that everybody has, a lot to say, a lot to talk about, a lot to ask, a lot to a lot to everything. So we wanted to get a mailbag in. All right. Now we are on the locker room app as always. So what we're gonna do is we have our normal questions on Twitter. We are gonna jump and and those are kind of like to me, at least at least for 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 specific mailbag episodes. Those are kind of like the priority for me because that gives the opportunity for people that aren't typically in the locker room. Um, who don't necessarily have the chance to ask a question in here like you guys will, uh, a chance to ask one. So we're gonna go, we're gonna go bounce back and forth between the mailbag questions and the speaker requests. Okay. And like I said earlier to all y'all in the locker room app, um, if when you ask a question, just ask your question and, and I will, and I will boot you off the stage with respectfully. And that way, again, we don't have any crazy background noise and we can just get to the next question. So. When when you're when you're at done answer asking your question, don't be don't feel disrespected that I uh, that I just gave you the boot, if you know what I mean. So I I don't want to waste no time. I don't want to get and again just to emphasize what we usually say. Like Crocker and I have not gone through and like discussed our answers to these questions. You're gonna get some genuine kind of back and forth based on the question, and then and then once I go for one of these and we'll jump to the speaker request and we'll just keep rolling. And you guys are pretty much dictating the flow and what we talk about. Um, if we've already gotten to your question, we'll still do our best to kind of like give it a, a fair and honest answer because I don't want to just ignore you. But, you know, just understand that if somebody else has already asked your question, you may not get the the in-depth magic that you were hoping for. So, ho- anyways, y- y'all don't need to sit here and have me like read you the rules of the mailbag. That's boring as hell. So let's get to it. All right. Our first question. I think he's in here. Jordan, isn't Jordan Anderson one of our one of our our, our regulars? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in there right now. Yeah, let me let me look here real quick. Okay, he doesn't have a speaker request in. I thought that would be hella funny if he had a question in the mailbag tweet and then had a speaker request in, like uh, two hundred IQ he, play right there. He's gonna make, he was gonna make sure he got on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right, um, and it's a good one to start on. Perfect one to start on. Okay. Um, first question, he did ask two questions. I'm going to pick this one because I think it's a perfect question to start on. Perfect question for you, Croc. Uh, did either pro day change your opinion on Mac Jones or Justin Fields, Crocker? No, no, it did not. It did not change my mind. I would say for the most part, no, it did make me a little more just overall excited about Justin Fields. I mean, I was kind of in agreement with Croc all along that Justin Fields was was kind of like the way to go. Uh, I also like Trey Lance a lot, and I was a lot uh, from quite a while ago. I was a lot higher on Mac Jones than a lot of people were. Not that high, not that high, but 
So no, I'd say it's pretty much the same. Although just it just got me excited, you know, seeing the stuff that Justin Fields did at that pro day was just exciting. Yeah, you know, it, it's just fun to see, and that's what Daniel Jeremiah said on the show. He was like, "Look, like I never understood the the down." The down, the downers in regards to pro day, like he said, one, if they didn't mean anything, nobody would come. NFL GMs have everything going on this time of year and head coaches. If it didn't mean anything, they wouldn't go to a pro day. And so there's that. And I've, and I 100% agree with that. And then he said, you know, just in, enjoy it. They're fun. Like they're, you know, it's cool to see these guys do these throws. Who cares if they're scripted? You, you know, it's a chance for these teams to see these guys in person. And, and just see what it looks like up close and just see how they handle, handle the heat, the pressure. It, it, Jeremiah was describing it like you could hear a pin drop, drop in those pro days. It's quiet as hell. No one's, it's like a golf match. And so that's a lot of pressure and it's not a normal football environment either. So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting and I think they're worth paying attention to, but, um, what did you see? Um, I mean, what you, what was just your overall take on those, on those pro days, Croc? Yeah, no, I mean, it was just, it kind of confirmed, like, you know, just your thoughts on everything in the sense of, like, what what they are as prospects. With Mac Jones, as much as, like, we kind of talk about, like, oh, don't want to be Mac Jones at three, like, he is solid. And I thought he did a lot of solid things at the pro day. Like, you know, he made, like, some throws he attempted where I was like, ah, that's not necessarily him. But then that same one that we kind of, like, got googly-eyed and, like, Google Gaga all over uh fields, rolling to his left and throwing downfield. Mac Jones made that throw as well in in that in that pro day. So he did some things very well. I remember going out and I saw some people kind of like bad talking his pro day, and I was like, no, nah, like yeah, he started off a little slow, but I thought he like once he like settled in, like he was a little anxious at first, but once he settled in, I thought he did well. And um, you know, he confirmed kind of who I thought he was. He was one of the best deep ball throwers in college football. Like you know, just with the the placement of the ball and everything, like the timing of it. Like, I thought he did that well. So he did some things well, man. Like, he is who I thought he was. I thought he moved well. Uh, but, again, like, you know, I nicknamed him Mac Vic, where, you know, and I, obviously I'm getting a little bit funny. But, um, you know, he, he moved better than he moved, he moved better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he moves a little bit better than people give him credit for. So he did some things well. But even then, I still don't see, like, the high-end upside. And we just saw that jump out with Fields. And when I'm looking at them as prospects – that's the one thing I keep coming back to. Like they're not in the same tier as prospects. And what I mean by prospects is just like overall package of what that player can potentially be. Because at the end of the day, like any of these guys can be bust. Like we, we don't know, but just as a prospect, like how do you view them? One guy is in a different tier than the other guy. You know what I'm saying? Like if it all right. goes, if, if Mac Jones hits his ceiling, like, okay, this is what Mac Jones is going to be. And then if, Fields hits his ceiling. Fields' ceiling is higher than Mac Jones. So from that standpoint, I think it just kind of confirmed that part. But I thought both of them were fine. Yeah, and I wasn't. And the one thing, and it was part of Jordan's question, is like, dude, I was just laughing my ass off at Twitter that day with the Kyle Shanahan, like, like how everybody was like hyper analyzing the faces he was making. <laughs> I'm like, dude, to me, it just looked like fucking Kyle Shanahan standing there, and yeah. everybody's like. Man, he looks just like scared shitless. 
And I'm just, I'm just looking at him like, dude, that's fucking Kyle Shanahan's like go-to expression. Like, he's just, <laughs> like he's just standing there. Like, what is everybody talking about, man? Like, I, I get it because P, there are some people out there that are just absolutely terrified at the idea of the 49ers taking Mac Jones at three. So mm-hmm. it's come down to the facial expressions for them. Like, if they can find a facial expression that helps them think the 49ers aren't taking Mac Jones, and this is not your boy advocating for the 49ers to take Mac Jones. But it's um, just like, man, it was awesome. There was a question in here that said, um, you know, who would I rather guard, like, as a former defensive back? And that's a tough question because, you know, with with Mac Jones, the timing is going to be precise, you know? So, like, that's a tough thing. But I know with Fields, I'm going to have to cover longer. So I think I'd rather bet on myself with, oh, the timing is going to be precise. Ah, that's kind of hard to guard, though. Because, like, if you go back and you watch Mac Jones against Georgia, the corner, the defensive backs at Georgia – play very well and it didn't matter because he was buying time but then he throw it to a spot that kind of threw his receiver open so I think both of them are pretty tough to play against for different reasons but yeah with I just know with Fields I'm gonna have to probably cover longer because he can extend plays in a different way yeah for sure for sure okay that was our first question from Jorn appreciate you Jorn uh, let's go to our first speaker request now remember once you guys ask that question I'm gonna kick you off no disrespect all right but Dan, I know Dan's all up in here. He's first in the gate. Dan, how you doing, man? You are on stage. We got you, bro. Dan, you there? Dan, please come in. Hello? Might be an audio thing. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next speaker for now. Dan, if something's messed up, just put in another request. We'll get to you, buddy. Tony, you are up. You've been moved to the front of the list. You are on stage. What do you got, man? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? I really enjoy your show. I'm becoming Thanks, a man. regular here. As, you are. You, know, <laughs> you guys are awesome, really. I've, I've been uh, you know, going through all the different apps that they have, the talk shows and stuff, and by far you guys are the most interesting one. I'm a diehard 35-year Niner fan. Since man, the respect holidays. to that, dude. Respect to that. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I'm kind of got frustrated with all these back and forth on Mac Jones. I've been watching the pro days, and right now, my <laughs> my hope is that if uh, for some reason you know Kyle Shanahan has is in love with Mac Jones, that uh, I, I really think that honestly he's up there for Wilson, and if Wilson's not there. They may trade down just a little bit and pick up Mac Jones. You know, I think he's taking a win that the Jets aren't going to take Wilson, that he'll be there for them. I really don't see it any other way. I, I think they will definitely trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots either for next year's first or, you know, something. Interesting. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we don't take Mac Jones at, uh, at number uh, three, that would be a total waste. And what do you think the chances are if we we get the player, uh, you know, if we trade down, we take Mac Jones, maybe with the 15th pick or with the Patriots or further, or what do you think the likelihood is that we're really going to actually go and pick this guy up at three? Because that would be a nightmare for me, honestly. I know he looks good, but that's just too high for him. I would rather have Fields or Lance for the project. Right. Right. All right. So let's, let's break this down. I mean, that was a lot to break down. I mean, I get it. It's just kind of general thoughts and stuff, but I don't, I don't think trading down, I mean, it could, it could happen, but the 49ers traded up to three 
very, very purposefully. They're kind of acting like, and a lot of people even like to make comments about the fact that the 49ers are still kind of breaking down these players, and maybe they are to a subtle extent. But the 49ers gave all that up to go to three, knowing exactly who they're going to pick. Or it's down to a pair of guys that they know are going to be, one of them's going to be there. So I don't see them moving off that. I think one one thing that I've seen multiple people mention was how pumped up they looked at their press conference. Like, these guys know who they're trading up for, and they are 95% sure who they're going to take. Or, if you're not convinced of that, they're 95% sure they're going to like the guy who's sitting there. So, I mean, I I think they've uh, most of the work for them is already done. What do you think, Croc? Do you think, I mean, I don't yeah. I think they know like what's going on. Now, whether Wilson will be there or not, like I feel like they know the answer to that already. So I think they traded there for a specific reason is to get the guy that they know that they want. And like you said, they, they already know who that is. They said as much as so like during the little press conference, basically what they alluded to was, Hey, like we have our top three guys, which is probably. Lawrence, Wilson, and one other guy. And then he kind of said that we'll see if the fourth and fifth guys can make a push, but he knows who he likes at three. That's what it sounded like to me. I think that's what he pretty much said. Right. I think that the 49ers have tried their best to leave it open for multiple players to be, you know, for teams and and people to think that they're they're still ma- making up their minds, and I am not. I do not think that at all. I think they have a very, very, very almost definite idea of who they're taking, and they just don't want other teams to get nervous and start calling the Jets with insane offers. Uh, when I bet you that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch already have a pretty solid idea, if not definite idea, of what the Jets are already doing. So uh, they just don't want some some curveball with another team offering the Jets three first round picks to go up there, you know, and, and then all of a sudden something happens that they weren't expecting. So I think they're trying to just cool other teams on whether or not they're very, they're definite in, in what their choice is. But I think they wouldn't have done that unless they were very sure of who they wanted. And they've already done their homework. Like Kyle Shanahan's trying to act like they've made this trade and don't know that much about the prospects. They fucking know everything about these guys already. They're not still learning shit. You know, something like a pro day might kind of validate something they already thought. But they didn't They didn't do this not knowing the quarterbacks. Like, you don't do that. That's just, like, you're just hoping that you like them after you make the trade? No, no, no. They did all this very premeditated. They've done the research. They know who they want. And they're, they're, they're very confident that that person's going to be there. Or they just like two or three guys very, very much. So... It ain't that crazy to me. It ain't that crazy to me. Um, they're trying to like keep everybody guessing. There's nothing to guess about. They 49ers identified their dude. They traded up to get him. And based on the research they've done, they know he's going to be there. Or again, two dudes. All right, Brian Collins. What position will the Niners address with their second round pick? What do you think, Croc? If you had to let's look at the roster, let's say we were, they were making the pick based off need, which you don't ever really want to do. But what do you think? Is, is corner still, still your, your hat tip there? Yeah. Well, you know me, it's like I go off all off of like kind of like a mixture of best player available combined, combined with need. So it, to me, it would be 
out of a few, three different positions for the most part that I would ideally want to prioritize. And that's cornerback, receiver, and, um, and, uh, and edge rusher. So, you know, out of the three is like, okay, who's there? Obviously I know more about the receivers and defensive backs. I would love for even a safety. There's this guy, uh, and I haven't talked to a whole lot about safeties and I know most of Fortnite sort of hasn't, but I think is Jimmy Ward entering the last year of his contract? Cause I know he re-upped like a couple years ago, but it was only like a three year contract. Right. So there's I, this guy. I, I want to say he is, but yeah. I, I can look for you while you're talking. So there's a guy, Cisco from, uh, Syracuse. He's like a single high safety ball hawk. Like probably led the nation in interceptions last year. Like he's terrific. If he's no, wait, around, just, to, just to interrupt you real quick, when he's not anywhere close to us last year. He's got 21, 22, and 23. Um, now the the thing is, is his cap number over the next two years is 10 and 11 million. But then on the lat, but the the 23 is kind of like a void year though. It, it just says void on all of it, and and he only has a two million dollar cap number. So really, and really, it's through next season. Okay. Through next season. Okay. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I'm probably leaning corner just because I think that needs to be prioritized a lot. But if there's a receiver there like Rondell Moore, who is an explosive, speedy, quick, shifty slot receiver, I would love to have him there too. So, you know, like it it, it would just depend. If Moore is there, I'd probably take him because I think, like, that third receiver spot for the 49ers is such a big deal right now, especially right now. Like, you have Debo, you have Ayuk, and then Muhammad Sanu. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. That's, not, that's yeah. not ideal. And then not much after that, right? So um somebody like Rondell Moore, like explosive. Kyle's been looking for that speedy guy, stretch the field. He can do that from the slot. Um, You can do like all the other stuff too with him. Like, you know, if you kind of want to take. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A little bit off of Debo's plate with, you know, the end of rounds and stuff like that. You could do that with Rondell Moore. He's built more like a running back than a, than a receiver. Um, so Rondell Moore, definitely. But then if there's like a corner there, say like, uh, Greg Newsom, who I love and I have him as like CB2 in this class, but I could see him being in the second round. He's had some injury concerns from earlier in his college career. Um, you know, if Greg Newsom is there, then I'd love to take him. And I feel like he's like Jason Verrett all over again, like reincarnated. So like in the good, in a good way. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, where I'm at with it. It's like best player available, but if like Rondell Moore is there, I'll take him. If Newsom is there, I'll take him as well. Right. All right. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness 
or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp.com slash G-O-L-D. All right, Crocker, we've got Vams coming. I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass, I'm going to let Vams in here and then I'm going to pass it on to you. <laughs> like I said, I'll be right back. Um, Vams, you are up, my friend. You are on stage. Uh, it is your question. No, maybe not. No Vams. Sometimes the audio, we, sometimes people have trouble with the audio settings. It could happen. I don't hear Vams though. So let's get Vams off here. And again, if, if something's messed up and you want to give it another go, that's all right. So let's jump down to the next one. Samuel's been in here quite a few times. So I know that he's got it. He'll have it figured out. So, uh, Samuel. Yeah. What's up, man? Go ahead and take over, dude. Hey, uh, I mean, y'all like basically just kind of covered my question. I was, just, <laughs> I mean, basically, you know, we grab fields at three and then do we want to, really focus the draft on surrounding him with talent so he doesn't have to carry the offense year one or if we should focus more on uh you know let, letting Kyle do his work his magic and building a more balanced team with some defensive picks well to me since I since I didn't really answer the last question to like kind of crock to it I mean I guess I could go go at yours um I would say uh, to me the two positions that stand out the most as far as where the 49ers should go in like the second round and the third round is still DB and, and, uh, and wide receiver. Like uh, both, both of those, both of those seem just a little on the, on the, the rough side. Cause you know, we know Debo Samuels had a little bit of struggles with injuries. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's been great. So I, I mean, I think he's perfectly dependable. And then you just don't have a lot going on after that. You can't really, you know, mom and Sanu, I don't really think that. Brings any excitement to the table as your number three. And then again, on the, the other side of the ball, you've got Jason Verrett, who's had incredible injury struggles. You got Emmanuel Mosley, who just, who was injured last year, but then just straight up struggled, period. And, you know, they brought back Dante Johnson 
And, and like, there's just not a lot, you know, obviously they got K1 Williams back, but he's their, he's their slot corner. So he's not a perimeter guy. So to me, between the wide receivers and DBs, you got it. I just think that both of those positions are going to get a healthy amount of attention throughout the draft. I could see them, you know, double dipping at both, you know, with nine picks, you can, you can have that luxury to target a couple guys at, at each position just because you've got so many chances at the, uh, at the choices. So it, it really, just depends, but those positions just strike me as a little on the thin side. And again, we could also, you know, I say that, but they've been so good at kind of identifying undrafted free agent talent that, that again, they could, they could do a lot of their work there too. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Not necessarily a corner, but at receiver, if they found some guys that they liked a lot that were actually able to come in and make the roster. But for DB, you gotta get, you gotta get guys in there pretty quick. You know, guys that kind of excite you. And I think the last, I mean, you can get good corners in the third round, but to me, that just screams second round, early second round for me. Um, okay. So let me jump back to our questions. The next one is from Jay at Huey Percy. Where does, okay. Yeah. This is a good one for you, Croc. This is a good one for you. Where does the JC Horn at 12 camp refocus our attention now? The need is still there. So, I mean, kind of a repeat question, but at the same time, do you, have you looked at any guys, Croc, that you think are going to make it to that second pick? Yeah. Um, I, I think guys like Tyson Campbell, he might. Now the tough thing is you just, I think last year six corners went first round, maybe. So it's kind of tough. Like there's like six corners I have in mind that I'm like, okay, I could see two of these guys being there. But when corners start flying off the board, especially if guys like, you know, Horn, Farley, and Sertain right now, like those guys might just be gone by pick 15. And then I guess for sure by like 18. And then you start having the next wave of guys, which definitely can go in the first round as well. Um, it's kind of tough to know who exactly will be there, but you know, there are some day two guys I really like. St. Juice from, um, from Minnesota. Um, there's a lot to like with him. Keith Taylor, he didn't test very well, ran into four fives, and obviously I think a lot of these been hand time, so that's not very good. But um he'd probably be there, you know, late day two, right? Like third round pick. He's a longer corner. I think he moves well and runs well. Uh yeah, there there are definitely guys, um, especially cornerbacks that I think would be there, you know, rounds two, rounds three. And I know a lot of people want to force a position, like, oh no, you've got to draft guy, but like it's all about value. So if you feel like there's a guy that fits like they did with a Keller Witherspoon, like, okay. They identified this guy, Killer Witherspoon, who he possibly, he fits everything that they want. They liked what he, what he had on film and we can get him at the top of the third round. So you just wait and then you draft him there. And the Killer Witherspoon started a bunch of games for the 49ers. So, um, it's all about value. It's all about value. I don't think you have to force the need, but day two, um, a guy like Tyson Campbell, I, I could see him possibly going in that, in that, uh, second round. I like it. I like it. Let's keep going here. Let me see. Do we have another speaker request? We do. We've got Nigel Dalton. He's on the horn. Let's get Nigel in here. Nigel, what you got, man? Yeah, what's good, guys? How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I just came across something here, and uh, I wanted to share with you guys kind of two things. I'll try to make it short. I want to see what you guys think. So uh, I think we find ourselves in a – a similar situation that Kyle's been in before, and I think he's showing some behavior uh, that's pretty similar that has me excited for the pick or who it might be, I guess. Um, and, you know, everyone wants to say Kyle loves his guys, 
He loves Kirk Cousins. We know he loves Kirk Cousins. He drafted Kirk Cousins um, in the fourth round. But when he had Sexy Rexy uh, in Washington, he uh, they were sitting pretty. I believe it was like five or six pick. Um, and I believe if they would have sat there, kind of like we would have this year, someone possibly could have fell, fell to them. I think it was Ryan Tannehill. Um, he ended up drafting uh, Kirk Cousins in the fourth. But he ended up, I remember, I think he gave, he, they ended up giving up a haul, two first round picks and a second pick to move up to get who was RG3, which, um, which was kind of the only time that Kyle has really picked his guy. And, um, we know he likes certain qualities, but he, uh, uh, above everything, he loves his freakish, freakish guys, the things you can't teach. And he went up, gave up a haul to get RG3. And it seems like, He's kind of moving that same way where we're sitting pretty somewhere. Someone might have fell. He's moving up to get his guy, which makes me think it might be someone like Lance or Field, someone that's that has that freakish things that can't be taught. Someone that moves the needle. Like I get yes. what you're saying, man. Right, right. And um, so I was just kind of thinking what you guys kind of thought about that, and then as well, um, I'm not saying it it won't be Mac Jones. Um, we never know. But the thing I feel about him, I think he would be a really good quarterback with us. I think he would be a good quarterback in the right system. And he's not a bad, a bad quarterback. Um, but I think if everything was to stay the way it was, um, for the duration of our rookie, whoever we draft, um, the rookie deal, we'll always have the worst quarterback in the, no matter how good he ends up being. He's not going to be better than Stafford or, or Murray or Wilson, which doesn't mean we can't beat those teams. Um, it just kind of caps us there as well, which I think uh, Kyle sees that as well, which is why he's doing all this. Um, I just kind of think what you guys think about all that. You said you said that if they were to get Mac Jones, they'd always have the worst quarterback, right? Yeah, and so no matter, okay. you know, even if we were to make the playoffs, uh, I feel like his ceiling is never going to be above the other three guys, which, I mean, it's hard to beat. We got some bad – some bad men in there as quarterbacks in our division. Um, but I think that's exactly why you make a move like this. Yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Uh, all right, Nigel, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yep, thank you. All right. Um, I mean, a, a lot to break down there, but some good points. No, I mean, the one thing I would say, and then I'll let Crocker talk about kind of the NFC West quarterbacks and, and kind of what he thinks. on. The one thing to me, though, is – and Chris Biederman of uh, – of, uh, Candlestick Chronicles, Sacramento B. Uh, we were kind of texting back and forth the other day, and he basically, like, we kind of came to an agreement, like, I just don't see Kyle Shanahan trading that much to move up to number three to get a guy who kind of just, like, he fits the offense, he upholds the status quo. Could he ball out? I do think so. I do think there is a realm where Mac Jones could be really good. But I just don't see the 49ers making that kind of move for a guy that kind of just upholds the status quo. And, and and I just feel like that's the type of move you make when you're tired of getting your ass kicked by the Russell Wilsons, the Josh Downs, the Patrick Mahomeses of the world. And you're like, we got to get ourselves. I'm better. I'm a better offensive coordinator than all of these motherfuckers. I need one of those guys. Well, that's what it, that's what it, it speaks to me. But, and again, they could just love Mac Jones that much and they were not going to risk somebody else getting him. So, you know, what do you think, Rob? Well, think about what he said at the, the press conference thing they just did. You know, he talked about how with Kirk Cousins, 
like he was like everybody goes to Kirk Cousins because like obviously he wanted him and he was like yeah I would you know I would love to have him like he's great but like that's not my ideal quarterback he was like but everybody pushes that on me basically that's what he's saying right like everybody pushes that style of quarterback on me and that's not my ideal quarterback like my ideal quarterback is like the biggest strongest fastest and best quarterback in the pocket like I want it all but like you know but I just know that hey I really like Kirk Cousins but I I think what he's saying because that's what they do right like oh Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for him. And what he's saying is, no, the hell he's not. Like, no, he's not the perfect quarterback for me. But that's what everybody tried to push on me. Like, did you get that sense that he said that? No, I did. I, I think he was just tired of hearing about it and reading it. And, and I did get that sense. But it was like, if you think about Shanahan's experience, like, I feel like the Shanahan connection with Cousins has evolved more than Shanahan wants it to is why it kind of why he seemed like he'd lost his patience with that like Shanahan uh rumors are that Shanahan really wanted to draft Cousins and even though they'd already drafted RG3 pounded the table to draft him in the fourth round and and they got him and then he obviously he ended up stepping in for that team and doing really really well under Shanahan and then the next time we heard about Shanahan and Cousins was when he was with the 49ers and they passed on those quarterbacks because they were going to try and get Cousins. And then that was it. That was like, that was it. It was a quarterback that was about to hit free agency that he had experience with in the past. And there's been nothing else, but somehow that snowball has just continued to roll into like the fact. Now everybody just assumes that the only quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants is a Kirk Cousins, and I think that's what he was like. Yeah, where the fuck like, did this come from? Like, he's like, nah, like, dude. Like, nah, that's like, not what I want. Like, I just got my ass kicked by Josh Allen. Like, I want that. <laughs> I can't guard. I can't stop Russell Wilson. Like, I want that. Like, now I got to try to run around and chase this little Kyler Murray dude around. Like, and then now I got to play against Matthew Stafford, who was my plan A. So it's like, <laughs> you know, like he's like, nah, dude. Like, Matt Jones is not ideal. Like, that. That's just kind of what I took from that. But um, no. he was, yeah, um to go a little deeper because I know he had mentioned like the whole uh RG three situation and them trading up for it. That was a Dan Snyder pick. That wasn't a Kyle Shanahan pick. So um I don't know how involved the Shanahan's were in that, but from everything that's kind of been reported on that whole situation, they didn't. I don't think they preferred him. I don't think they preferred RG three. I think he was kind of forced upon them. So that's just right. kind of what's been like kind of pushed out there. But I think that a lot, and I think it's still fair to talk about RG3 when it comes to Shanahan because, uh, you know, he proved that he can, he can win and do really well with a quarterback like that. And I feel like a lot of the reason RG3 started to struggle and we saw it so many times was just his style of play. Like the dude just allowed himself to get the shit kicked out of him for a long time. And, and there were, a lot of times where we were like, damn, dude, like, it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, he was just a gamer, man. And, and so I think that at, at the very least, Shanahan has that experience in his tool belt. And he knows that if he ever gets a guy, say like Justin Fields, he knows that he can do his damn thing with him. And, and that doesn't even include just how much you think Shanahan has learned since he, la- since he coached RG3. Like, yeah. you know, he, he knows that he can get in his bag with a quarterback like that. Um and whatever additional experience he's gained in the meantime. So, hey, um, real quick, let me um. Jordan Jordan said uh Shanahan did have to stop from like you know uh, gushing over 
uh, Cousins at the press conference. And I think that was more so like on just a like not wanting to take a shot at Cousins. I think that was kind of what I, like I think because like if he would have said what he wanted, he would have been like Kirk Cousins is not my ideal quarterback. Like essentially that's what he was saying. But he don't want to come off as disrespectful. So it's like, no, like I love Kirk Cousins. He's a winner. He does all these things well. We did want him. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he, you know, he he tried to put it on thick, like, as far as his love for him, so he didn't come off and, like, create any headlines in the sense, like, sense of, like, Kyle Shanahan does not like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, where Kirk Cousins is not what Kirk Shanahan wants. He didn't want to create any headlines. So, I think he kept yeah. kind of, like, you know, coming back to that, like, now, like, I love Kirk Cousins. Anybody would be lucky to have him. I did want him as my quarterback, yada, yada, yada. But Kirk Cousins is not my ideal. He's not my ideal quarterback. Right. I I agree. I totally agree with that. I think that's exactly what he was trying to say. And you're 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 probably spot on too. He just didn't want the next tomorrow's headline to be Kyle Shanahan is tired of the Kirk Cousins talk because that's exactly <laughs> what it would be. You know, you guys know it. It would be and Kyle Shanahan would, is done but, with Kirk Cousins. And then everybody would write off Mac Jones, which I think they they want to like kind of keep everything open at least in the media right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree. I agree. All right. So let me, uh, let's get back to our Twitter questions. Uh, we got Terry Littlejohn. Do you guys think Max Jones is a true candidate or a media creation? Also, do you agree that the only two real options should be field or Lance, mainly fields? Um, so let's just, let's, let's just stick with the, the second question. Do you, do you, Croc, do you think the only two options should be field, fields, Lance, or let's add in, Zach Wilson, if you fell. Correct. I, I, yeah. I feel like those three guys. Yeah, I agree. Playmakers. I agree. Playmakers. Right. Yeah. And like I said earlier, just in, in the best way that I could summarize it, and I'm probably fumble over my words right now, is I think Kyle Shanahan is tired of having to elevate quarterbacks. And it's not that he won't have to do that with, with an, with one of these rookies that he picks, but I think he wants a quarterback that can add its own flavor to the mix that can add its own brand of electricity to his offense, you know, make off schedule plays and make some, some ESPN highlights that, that, that comes up completely separate from his offense. You know, he wants a quarterback that's going to elevate his offense. He just doesn't always be the, want to be the one that's elevating the quarterback. No matter what, he's going to have to coach a quarterback up and make him better. But at the same time, I think he just wants a quarterback with an X factor that's going to bring something to the table other than, you know, some solid pocket movement and anticipation. So that's just kind of how I thought. If, and I don't know Shanahan well enough to speak for him. So, all right. Let's get a, we should have speaker requests. Yeah. We got, we got OJ, OJ, friend of the pod. OJ, you're in here, man. What's your question, brother? What's going on, gentlemen? You know, I just want to address something really quick, and, and this is kind of like we're talking about what we believe Kyle Shanahan, like, thinks he wants in a quarterback. And I think we have to remember something. Does he like a guy like Kirk Cousins? Could he like a guy like Mac Jones? If you go to a school and there's, like, women that you can acquire there and everyone thinks you're going to go out with Becky and all of a sudden – or you might show up with Susan, okay? He doesn't want Becky. And right now, he doesn't have to choose Becky. It's not going to be Mac Jones. If he wants Mac Jones, he wouldn't have traded up to number three because that's the quarter. 
my personal assumption. But my question for you guys, I'll leave you guys with that. My question is, if Jets do what the Jets have historically done and not choose a quarterback, and the Niners find someone who wants to come up to three, and they feel they could, like, let's say from number five or whatever, like the the Falcons. Let's say the Falcons want to move up because they feel like, oh, my gosh, we can get Zach Wilson. Who's the player you would want if they move back? Let's just say they're comfortable and something falls in their lap. I don't know how realistic that is, but the Jets making a mistake is realistic. So, so you're saying like the like Zach would nobody expected Zach Wilson to get to three. He falls to three, and somebody loves him that much that even you know even though the Forty ers already traded a shit ton to. To go get a quarterback, you think that like they'll they'd gamble and maybe move back a spot or two just for fun. Yeah, like do you, do you see one of the four or five picks wanting to move up where they could still technically be in the same situation? Well, the, oh. you know the Bengals are a five. Never mind, that doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, I right? mean, it's, if let's just say like see, I don't because I don't want to just just blow your question up, but I mean, if you're talking about players that could still be available at four or five, I mean. I don't know. I the what's his name? What is it? What's the the tight Kyle end? Pitts. Pitts. Yeah, Pitts. he's the one that everybody's going to say. Um, I don't know, Crocker. I mean, in, the, in that alternate reality, was there anybody in that range that you would even entertain? Um, another quarterback? Are you saying I can't do <laughs> yeah. a quarterback? So, so no. the reason I ask is because of what Kyle Pitts did today. And when you think about, like, oh, if Calvin Johnson was in this draft, where does he slot? That's kind of my question, I guess. Because Kyle Pitts being compared to him from a physical standpoint, and you have to, like, wonder, like, okay, what's that worth today? That that's It's a, it's a conversation I had with some buddies today. Yeah. So my thing was, and what I've said, like, you know, just kind of touching on Kyle Pitts, He's the only pass catcher I'd take in the top ten in this in this class, in this draft. Like I just think like we've seen all these receivers be very good and productive throughout the draft. Like it doesn't have to be top ten. It doesn't have to be first round. Like every year we're seeing guys DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Like those dudes are awesome. They're second round picks. Debo Samuel, second round pick. Um, like Terry McLaurin, third round pick last year. T Higgins, almost a thousand yards. It just kind of went under the radar, but like. We're seeing like all these studs going throughout the draft, like you know, as far as receivers go. You don't see Kyle Pitts like guys in the. In the no, I mean, you it's don't. Very, very, very rare. Like with receivers, you you see it every year. Like as, you know, as guys going late first, second, third round, being very productive. Tight ends, like George Kittle, and that's it. Waller, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's very rare. So, yeah. um, yeah. so from that so standpoint, like, if, if I were to go with something, a non-quarterback, it would definitely be Kyle Pitts. And I've been saying that, like, I've been saying, like, I don't care if 49ers got George Kittle. First of all, he'd be banged up and he's kind of old. Like, he's 28 years old and he's on a fresh new contract. So, you know, kind of looking at him, like, by the time this contract is up, he's going to be, what, 32 years old or whatever. Like, Agreed. it's going to be time for maybe somebody newer anyways. For for the most part, right? Like Kyle Pitts, even by the time Kittle's contract is up, Pitts is still going to be like 24 years old, 25. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like like yep, just yep. really peaking in his prime. And even with both of them out there, like we talked about needing another receiver, like a slot receiver for the 49ers. 
you can come out there with two tight end sets. You can split um, Pitts into the slot, and now he's playing wide receiver in the slot. You can put him outside. Like, there's just so much you can do with him and different ways he can affect the game and finally give somebody, the 49ers, a true red zone threat. So that would be somebody I definitely like. I know there would be a lot of people, that's a luxury pick. Nah, forget that. Like, let me get this dude because this is a generational. They talk about generational players all the time. He's a generational tight end. That's, At 6'6", that's 245 pounds and running yep. in the four fours and like his ability, like his route running, like he is generational. He's generational. That's why I ask, honestly, is just it's not often that every team and there's not every team can say they have Kyle Shanahan as a coach. So for him to run the type of offense he likes and be able to trot out the two tight end set, he, and he loves to run from base. It's almost like two tight end set would become our base. And I just. I don't know. It was a fun conversation I had today. I thought it'd be fun to have it with you guys and like just like speculate on that because, you know, I think they made the move because they don't like even what next year's quarterback crop looks like, which is why they're going to obviously jump on quarterback. But, you know, it just was kind of a fun conversation because I'll be honest with you. I like Wilson. I like Fields. I like Lance. And if it's not one of them, I'd rather take Pitts. I don't want yeah. Mac Jones. Personally. Right. That's just me. Right. I, right, I got you. Thank you. I just saw somebody in the comments and they said like Vernon Davis was generational. And, and I think Vernon Davis was generational from like, like the, just a freaky pure, like, like big fast athlete, right? But like even his like ball skills, he, he was just a big athlete. Like his yeah, ball skills, hands. like he, yeah, his pass catching skills weren't like really natural. Like, you he know, just some good catches, but he had terrible hands. Yeah, he, he was, he was good. Like, Vernon Davis was good and he had some really good years, but it wasn't like natural. So like, he still was more just like, oh, he's just like a physical freak. And they figured out different ways to utilize him to get the ball in his hands. But he's not, he, even he wasn't pits as a prospect. No, Vernon, Vernon was such a freak athlete that he would jump three feet in the air while he was running so that he didn't have to catch the ball with his hands. Like, he would jump up <laughs> into the air so that he could body catch footballs. You know, he was every bit of a freak athlete. And, and you know, a guy that big running that fast just doesn't really make much sense a lot of the times. Um, but, yeah, he was – yeah, Kyle Pitts is something else. man. Now, I, I still don't see them, you know, the ultimate curveball, trading two first round, giving away two first round picks to move up, and, and then, you know, ultimately using first, three first round picks to select a guy like Kyle Pitts. I mean, I don't, they've already talked about this. They, they've already let everybody know they're getting a quarterback. So that's like a little beyond the realm of reality, but it's fun to talk about. And like, there'd still be people that will be like, like, yeah, they gave up a lot, but goddamn, like that's going to be something else to watch that guy work in, in Shanahan's office. So it's fun to talk about. Ain't no shame in having fun with it. And, and what I've always said too is like, like, I don't care what position he plays. He's going to score touchdowns. It's gonna make huge plays. You put him wherever, man. He's gonna he's gonna go off. So, um, all right. So we got Shano Perez on the mailbag post. Any chance this is all smoke? Knowing Justin would go ham at his pro day to get another team to bite on the third overall pick, and then regain multiple resources to get back between five to eight to pick a top tier wide receiver, DB or line with little resources actually spent to move up when it's all said and done. I just think that's too much. Like. I, like that's just too much. I don't know. That's some draft day type shit, you know. Yeah, like, well, like you said, they they said who they want. Like they're I don't think they're moving off of that. Like it's like no, we want a quarterback. We made it clear. Like Jimmy's not like like Jimmy ain't gonna be here that much longer. Like and and what they said was 
we are willing to trade him. Like if we if if we get the right offer, like we'll trade Jimmy's ass. So like you got to be replacing Jimmy with somebody. Like they're going quarterback. Right, right. It's just yeah. I mean they've already talked about like they've already they've already you know Kyle basically Kyle already said like we knew we needed to get a young guy in here eventually. You know, like we've always known that needed to happen. And despite what everybody wants to say, C.J. Beathard was not their attempt at finding their guy. Oh, my gosh. That gets said so often. They took like a super late draft pick and moved from the early fourth to the late third just to make sure they got him. Like, And there was some upside there that they thought they could come up on. But it was like, man, it's like. And that was Kyle's doing. Like that was, I mean, not Kyle, that was John Lynch's doing because he was like, well, I know. You know, Kyle liked him. But I think when people hear, like, oh, Kyle liked Beathard, it's like, yeah, like, I like him as a fourth-round quarterback or fifth-round right. quarterback. Like, <laughs> not, not I like him as, like, if I liked him, liked him, I would take him in the first or even the second. Like, no, like, we took him, we, like, late, late, late third. Like, they just say, oh, third-round pick. Like, no, we're talking about, like, borderline fourth round. Like, that's not somebody who – that's uh okay – you know, we'll see. Kind of like Kirk Cousins. You know, we'll see. Oh, damn. Right. Because he ended up being good. Oh, damn. Better ended up being sorry. Like, and I had to play Nick Mullins over him. Well, it's, and there are plenty of people, and I tend to agree with them in a lot of cases. There are a ton of people, and Kirk Cousins is testament to that, that believe that you should draft a quarterback in like the third or fourth round almost every year. Because the value is, I wouldn't say every year, but the value is so immense at that position. Like if you happen to stumble on like a Kirk Cousins, the value is insane. You know, like they, they're just basically right. Yeah. They, they're just saying like, like, you know, how often do late third or fourth round picks typically work out? Look at that. You know, we'll probably not that often. We'll, you know, the odds of a draft pick working out in general are not, not high. That's just the way it is. Now take that with, add that to the odds of a quarterback working out and developing into a starting quarterback and the odds are astronomical. So people are like, you might as well take as many swings as that as you can afford every year just to see if something happens, you know, and, 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 it, and it, you could get lucky like a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson was drafted a little higher in the third round, I think, but you know what I mean? Like well, and, there are yeah, people out and, there that believe that you just too. keep swinging. Yeah. No, Russell Wilson was different because he was only a third round pick because he was short. Like it, it didn't have anything to do with anything else. Like ability, arm strength, accuracy, like leadership skill, like all that was like a plus. It was just like, oh well, he's only five ten. So that was that was the only reason why he was there. So they kind of right. struck gold. And I think there were I heard like there were there were there was another team that was like, we're about to take him. And they couldn't take him because the Seahawks took him. Teams wanted to draft Russell Wilson high. They just couldn't really justify it because everybody wants like these big you know, strong arm quarterbacks and Russell Wilson was kind of like a shrimp. <laughs> you know? And it's clear that for the, you know, with like Baker Mayfield and shit, like no one's really going to make that mistake again. Like it, it, with Russell Wilson and, and Baker Mayfield had a pretty good season last year. Uh, like I don't think, I don't see people really doing that all that much anymore. You know, like if the dude balls out, I mean, got Johnny Manziel, but you know what I mean? That happened too. Can't bring up just the good ones, I guess. Right. All right. right. Um, so let's, let's, Steve Young needs to chill out. Yeah. Cause Steve Young said something about them getting Mac Jones, huh? Oh man, that's so annoying. I'm tired of hearing about that. All right. So we got to go back to the mailbag. I believe, right? No. Yes. 
I can't remember what our last one was. Were we, was our last one a speaker request or was it a mailbag? No, it was a mailbag. Okay. Then that means, uh, I think it's, did I not, didn't I already mess this up? Zachy, Zaki, Zachy? Well, you're on stage, man. If I slotted your name, then that's on me. Yo, yeah, no, you got it right, bro. Don't worry about it. Okay. I hate it. I hate, um, I hate messing up people's names. So no, I'll, I'm always concerned. Um, this is more like a kind of a serious topic. I don't know if you guys mind talking about it, I guess. It's kind of more the way prospects are more portrayed, I guess. If any of you guys saw Dan Orlovsky on, uh, what's his name? Pat McAfee show talking about Justin Fields. <laughs> Questioning his work ethic, I guess. But I don't know. What do you guys just, obviously, Croc, you have experience in the locker room. Like, from everything I've read, Justin Fields seems like a, Great dude, great leader, like, was trying to push for a Big Ten football to be happening during the season, all that stuff. And then, but it feels like every year for some of these quarterback prospects, these little rumors kind of pop up. And for some, it's warranted, like Dwayne Haskins, like, obviously that was an issue. For some, it's just complete bullshit. I don't know what are you guys' thoughts on kind of like the rumor mill with NFL prospects and work ethic shit and all that. I think a lot of it, like, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, and like, you know, we're, you're, with these prospects, we view them as prospects, like, but, and obviously they are as such, but they are humans too, you know? And, you know, just like, you know, all of us that's, you know, whether we're talking on here or, you know, everybody in the group chat or in the locker room chat, um, we, we all have different personalities and there could be truth to it. Now, to what extent, you know, maybe it's a little bit like, you know, hyped up or whatever. Um, or exaggerated, but I think I heard that nobody went to his birthday party. Like, I don't know, like, that's kind of weird, <laughs> right? Wait, so, um, you, that's like a, that was on draft day, but you heard that for real? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I saw somebody like tweeting that out that nobody went to his birthday party or that was just draft day of the movie. Maybe they were, you think they were making a joke? Because that's exactly what happens on draft day. Nobody goes to his birthday party, so they make a big thing okay. out of it. So maybe they're joking. <laughs> maybe they're joking. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> if that was true, like that Nixon would be a Crocky, red flag. that's a movie, man. <laughs> yeah, that would be a red flag, you know. Um I don't know the takeaway from that. Like I saw some people defending Fields and saying, like, you know, you don't look like that if you're not working really hard. And I would say like some people just have really good genes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not to say that he's not working out hard, but like I knew some people that just no matter what, they were just like built like crazy and they like, you know, they had to do like minimal work and they were going to be like in freaking shape. So, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to really know. Like we, like I, I would say that there is probably a little bit of truth to everything that you hear, but it could just be exaggerated. Well, and you know, it, it goes right for me. It goes right along there with, with what people say about everything you hear during this time of year. Like, is it, is it legit or is somebody just that impressed with Fields Pro Day and now they're going to let some stuff slip so that hopefully it, it scares a team and they pass on them? It seems ridiculous, but, I mean, it goes on. You know, like shit like that happens all the time. And I don't, I just don't know what to take seriously during this time of year. Yeah, You know, everything – you it happens so often that it's just like, is it true or is it the boy that cried wolf type stuff where teams are making so much shit? Eventually it comes out it's true, but you don't want to believe it. You know, like, I don't really know. You know, I, I would just probably fall back on what Croc said. Like, there's maybe some truth to it. Maybe they're exaggerated 
for other reasons. You know, I, I don't know. There's just no really way to know, but you know, it, it, it would change things. We'd be able to talk about it differently if it was like, if somebody went back and was able to prove these claims like completely false, there's really no way to dispute somebody's work ethic, even if they end up being good. Like, how do you go back and prove that that person was wrong about this person's work ethic, ethic and they were just making it up? You know, if you could like really call people out on some of the things they've said about draft prospects like that, like personality stuff that didn't end up being true or didn't end up having an effect, I think the scene would be a little bit different, but it's just hard to discount that stuff. You know, because like, what can Justin Fields do? You're like, this guy said you didn't work hard. And he's like, no, I do. And that's it. <laughs> like maybe a coach comes in behind the scenes and teams are talking to him. And, and if you can get that coach to be real with the team, maybe he'll tell you one way or another, but it's just so hard to discount people when they say stuff like that, except, you know, for the people that are legitimately in the know. It's just, you know, it's just shit gets thrown around so much during this time of year. You kind of just, you don't want to, but you got to let it roll right off your back. I think, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. Um, okay. So let's get back to the mailbag. I think we got James. Can someone tell John Lynch to watch some Kellen Mond film? Croc, what's your take on Kellen Mond, man? I mean, he, he just seems like kind of like a mid round guy that you might be able to get something crazy out of if lightning is in a bottle, you know, but it, it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Dobbs coming out of Tennessee. Um, you know, he was coming out like that type of prospect. When I watch mine, there's definitely nothing that like jumps out to me. I think he does things well. I think he definitely has a, a solid arm, but it, it just doesn't like, I feel like for me, who's looking for somebody who's like, Oh, I want this athletic quarterback that does this, does that. Like if there was anything like kind of like special about him, it would have jumped out to me by now. And I've watched him, and I've watched him, and I just every time I just walked away like, uh, eh. like I think he's in like a next tier, right? I think you have like for most people you have the top tier, which is, which is uh White Jesus, what's his name? Uh, uh Trevor Lawrence, right? So you you have your okay. first tier that like that that's him, like Trevor Lawrence, and then after that you have probably the you know Wilson, Fields, Jones, and Lance. Right. Like those guys are feel kind of lumped together where it can kind of go any type of way. Right. And then after that, you have like Davis Mills, um, Mond and, uh, Trask. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of like spread out like that, in my opinion. So I think he fits in well with that like group, which I think is a good third, like, or fourth tier, whatever tier that is. Um, is a good group, like between those guys that I feel like will go day two or maybe early day three if I had to assume that I, I assume that they'd all be gone by by the third round, but you kind of just never know because once you don't have like the top guys, some guys just start end up kind of like hanging around in the draft and then next thing you know fourth round that guy is still available. So we'll kind of see how it goes. But Mon to me when watching them, nothing really just like jumped out as like, oh man, like I see him coming in right now and just being this guy. And he's super like robotic, really stiff with everything that he does, everything he does. Super stiff and robotic. It's really like Colin Kaepernick, but like Colin Kaepernick, but not as fast and not as big an arm. That that's what it looked like. Right. Yeah. It, 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 and he just seemed pretty 
kind of inconsistent. You know, some of the stuff would be like, whoa, that was nice. And then there'd be like two things you're like, damn, that sucks. And then you're like, oh, that was kind of good. You know, it's just kind of all over the map with against with Florida, though. Seeing. If you watch Florida, he was big time against Florida. I will say I'll have to check it out. I'm not sure if I've, I've stumbled upon the Florida yet. Watch that. Out. He, I all mean, right. it was still after throw, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we just did a mailbag. You guys got to keep me straight on that. I think we just, yeah, we did. We did. So let's get to the next speaker for request. We got Tariq. Tariq, you are on stage. What is your question, my friend? Tariq, you there, Doc? Hello. Yeah, we hear you. Hello. I could hear you. Yep, we hear you. Okay, so here's here's my the hit thing with the whole Mac Jones thing, right? When you think back to like the past eight to ten years, who's the last, you know, straight pocket passer who's coming to the NFL to be a top ten to twelve quarterback? Josh Rosen. Exactly. <laughs> you got the last ones, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, or Matt Ryan, and that's like what, eight to ten years ago? So, like, the past 10 years, all the recent quarterbacks have come in the NFL, the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, the Kylers, you know, even Wentz when he had his, you know, MVP season, he was a very mobile quarterback. If you're drafting Mac Jones to be, you know, a passer like Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford, I just think history's not on your side. It's like he has to be so good at processing and so accurate with the football that, him being non-mobile just becomes a mute, a mute point. And I just don't think it's a good bet. It, it would boggle yeah. my mind if they actually draft Mac Jones. Jared right. Goff, too. He's another one, too. And I think I think everybody thinks of, like, the upside of what it could be. And, and like, whenever you think of, like, that type of quarterback and you think of the upside, it's like Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, Tom 21 Brady 21 years is, ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, Brady is very, very unique. And – He's kind of transformed, like, his body for the most part. I mean, obviously, he plays from the pocket, but, like, he plays from the pocket on, like, a different level. Now, if you're just thinking that that's what he's going to do at the next level and be that type of guy, then obviously, like, yeah, you're, you're going to be in a great place. Um, they do talk about his processing, like, it is on a different level than anybody that we've seen in recent years. So, you know, if, if that is the case, then definitely, you know, he can, he can be good, but, um, more times than not, He's not going to be Tom Brady. Exactly. He's, he's going to be something a st- couple way below steps. Yeah, down. So if <laughs> you are Brady, down, like, Brady, what do you go. what do you get? You know, and at that point, you get Jared Goff, who went to several playoffs, um, played in the Super Bowl game. That's not bad. Um, you get Baker Mayfield. Um, finally, you know, Cleveland went to the playoffs. You know, you get that level of guy. So again, like, those aren't bad quarterbacks. But I think if Cleveland could do it all over again, would they take Baker Mayfield at one or Josh Allen, who was in that same draft class? Exactly. I think they take Josh Allen. So that's what you're kind of dealing with where I, I see the pluses and I see where Jones can be good and where he fits in the NFL and where he can succeed. But are you going to take him over Josh Allen? And if the answer is no, it's like, well, why not? Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, Josh Allen does this, 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 and this. And this guy can't do that, but he can throw from the pocket. Like, you know, and it's like, and, and that's my thing where it's like, okay, well, your best bet is to get somebody like, you know, obviously Trey Lance limited playing experience, but I'm just saying like as far as style, Trey Lance, right. Justin Fields, like a guy like that where you can do some of those things that Josh Allen can, even if it's not going to be that guy, but like just somebody that does those type of things. 
Yeah, and to piggyback off kind of what you said real quick, like if you if you want if you're looking for a Jared Goff, a Baker Mayfield, I mean, you kind of got that already in your locker room in Jimmy Garoppolo. The only difference is he just can't stay healthy. So, I mean, drafting Mac Jones is basically like at best you're getting a slight upgrade over Jimmy over Jimmy G, and I don't think that's worth three first round picks in the third and. Right. Basically, your franchise's next five years. He he's yeah. like Jimmy with a little bit more. But you know what though? So here's the thing. I think he's more Kirk Cousins than Jimmy Garoppolo because, and I know people view them as kind of like similar. And there are probably a lot of people that think that Garoppolo is just better than Kirk Cousins. But I don't think so. I think Kirk Cousins, for the most part, he's a better decision maker. Sure. I think he's a better uh, quote unquote playmaker with his ability to throw the ball down the field. More accurate. Um, yeah. But he's more even then. Too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's yeah, he's more athletic, uh for the most part. Like it's not like crazy more athletic, but no, no, like no. it's like Mac Jones to Jimmy better type, you know, um athletic ability. But it's still not like again, if I asked you, hey, would you rather have Kirk Cousins or would you rather have any of these other young guys that can move a little bit, you're gonna say you bet on having that guy. So, you know, sure. it's it's tough. Yep. Well, I appreciate it, guys. All right, Tariq. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for popping on. All right. So yeah, my take on that is, and I, and I kind of already said it, like it's getting to the point where the non-mobile quarterbacks and Mac Jones has his fair share of pocket movement, you know, and being a good quarterback, but they're just becoming the outliers. Like you can't just, you can't place bets on your Mac Jones becoming a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees who are both on their way, you know, Brees just left and Tom Brady's on his way out. And, you know, how many other guys there are even left like that anymore? Even Aaron Rodgers, who's been doing his damn thing forever is mo like he can run his ass off. So it's like the, the, the age of just a truly immobile pocket passer are being like Tariq was saying, they're basically over. And it's not that they can't succeed. It's not that Mac Jones won't be good. But you'd think Kyle Shanahan would just want a little bit of that for himself now, especially standing on that sideline and watching Josh Allen dominate that team, a truly great 49ers defense with no hope of survival. Like the 49ers could not do shit against Josh Allen. And you would think after seeing that, like, man, like, I can outcoach their offense. I just don't have a Josh Allen. And go get yourself a guy like that. Does that mean he's going to be as good as Josh Allen? No. But Croc said last pod, scared money don't make money. Right. So and I think – take, take a shot. Take a shot. It, it, it's not even just Josh Allen that he watched kick his ass. Like, he saw how difficult it was for his team to defend Lamar Jackson. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, ultimately, like, the, it was, it was tough. Like, obviously it was in the rain and stuff like that, but it was tough to defend Lamar Jackson. And we're probably lucky that it was raining because if it was a clear sunny day, like, that would have been, that would have been tough. running and throwing. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. You know, just, just to see like, damn, like, I know I like this type of quarterback, but gosh, like you, I, you know what's funny? I like that type of quarterback. Like, I like the Jimmy Garoppolo. And I had to change my tune. Like I had to, like I evolved with the way that I think about the quarterback position. I was the guy, like when we had Colin Kaepernick stuff, I'm like, man, I sure do wish we just have a guy in there that would just throw the ball and execute the play call. Like that was my thinking. Like when he was running around and stuff like that, like I, like that wasn't my ideal quarterback. 
my my thinking on quarterbacks has evolved. Like I was happy when the 49ers got Garoppolo. Oh man, finally got somebody who's just gonna like he's executing balls out of his hand, quick, boom, boom, act okay. Like I like that. And then I just like over the last four years, like, uh, give me one of those Josh Allen's. <laughs> like and I know there's not a lot of Josh Allen's, but I'm just saying in the sense of like I have definitely changed my way. Like if you if you ask my brothers, like my brothers, my best friends, they'll tell you like Eric don't like black quarterbacks. Like that was my that was my thing. Like I didn't want the guys that were going to run. Like I want the guy that's gonna stand there and so I had to change the way I even I think about it. Like this is well, like I, a newer thing. And hopefully like Shanahan has kind of changed the way that he looks at it as well after watching these dudes kick his ass and his defense struggle against those type of quarterbacks. Well and I think something too that's helped you know, uh it's helped both of us change our minds is these running quarterbacks haven't just been running quarterbacks, like you know, and, and obviously Russell Wilson's kind of kind of been doing it longer than than most of them. Aaron Rodgers has been doing it longer, but these running quarterbacks have become better throwers. And whether right. it's standing there and throwing the ball like like a typical pocket quarterback would be, or moving the pocket with boots, or you know, or just buying just straight up buying time. Like not even a a designated play, just buying time to throw the ball downfield is something that that you know teams realize they want, and and you know these prospects, like Tariq said earlier, have grown up knowing that this is the way the NFL's going. Not only do I got to be good at throwing the ball, but I better be an athlete, and I better start working out, and I better stay in, you know. So it's just it evolved to this point, and you know if you're, it's not that you can't have success with a typical pocket passer, but. The entire league's just evolving to where you got to be able to do both. You got to be able to do both, and, and and the 49ers don't have a guy that can do both right now. It's kind of to me just as simple as that. They they're they're missing one half of the puzzle right now. It was weird when you look at the playoffs, especially like late in the playoffs, and it was like on the NFC side, it was like all the old heads, you know, <laughs> and then on the AFC side, it was like all the young bloods and like the guys like the movie and the plays and Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Josh Allen, like it was all those guys. On the other side, it was like Brady, Aaron Rodgers, who can move, but Breeze, and you know, it was it was just kind of funny, like looking at that. But you could see how the NFL is kind of it's it's changing. It's changing what the quarterback looks like and what the quarterback right. can do, and it's changed. It has changed the way that you have to prepare as a defense. You know, you look at the 49ers, like what they have to play. Like what 49ers fans are going to find out is, although Stafford definitely is a passer first. He can move a little bit, and, I, and he doesn't like always – like. but if you give him a lane, Stafford can take off. And I think 49ers fans are about to find that out with them being in the same division and have to play him twice a year. Right. Yeah, and that's another thing too that was mentioned earlier, but like are you really going to be the only the only quarterback in the NFC West that – do you really want the only want to be the only team with a quarterback that can't move? You well, know, the defense like, coordinators in this, in this conference are going to love game planning. Yeah, Sure. Have a guy who, okay, yeah, timing. Okay, we're going to take away what he likes to do best. Now what? Now what are you going right. to do? You know, and well, obviously and- Kyle's always going to be good with what he does no matter who's that quarterback, um, as long as it's a, you know, a good quarterback or whatever. Like he's still, but it just makes it more difficult. Like I feel like Kyle's job is extreme. He's, he's making it way more difficult than it has to be. He's kind of like simplified it in the sense of like how he does it, stretch, stretch. Play action. Okay. Read this guy. Like it's simple from that standpoint, but everything has the timing of everything has to be so perfect. So perfect. Every single play, the timing has to be great or it's over. And I would much rather have to defend that and prepare for that than I would have to prepare for Russell Wilson 
Kyler Murray, you know, even like Matthew Stafford because he's so good throwing the ball with his big arm and how he can stretch the field. Like the 49ers, everybody's going to like the game plan more against them, even though like they do execute well, but they still would rather defend that than Kyler Murray every play. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like it's like, you know, like I go shooting. Would I rather shoot? If, okay. If I'm not looking for a crazy challenge, you know, is it easier to shoot a target that's just sitting still or one that's moving back and forth and keeps going all <laughs> over the place? You know, and that's the same way it is for a pass rusher. Like if you know that quarterback is going to be at that spot and you just need to get there, then man, you're like licking your chops. Like you know exactly what you need to do, but it is so disheartening for a defensive front to do ev- even a defense, even a secondary to do everything they've trained to do and draw everything and, and execute everything as it was drawn up. And then the quarterback just runs around for two seconds, throws the ball down to a guy that crept open and that's it. Like it's so disheartening when quarterbacks create on their own and they're not just in that spot. And, and, you know, we felt like, like when that 49ers defense, you know, when D Ford was, when they went to Super Bowl, when they had D Ford, when they had Nick Bosa and they had DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead was on one and like, the idea of playing a non-mobile quarterback was like, like amazing. Like it, it was pure joy because you just knew they were going to get after it. But the moment you've got one that can move and I mean, they still got after Aaron Rodgers, even though he can move, but it just becomes a whole different nightmare. So, and I, and like we said, I think Kyle Shannon just wants to get some of that. Um, on the mailbag, we've got Dave at Dave4216. He said, is it true Mike Shanahan was present at the NDSU and Ohio State Pro Days? I've seen the rumors but haven't heard confirmation from any major analysts. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I've so, heard it. So no, nobody like – I mean, you think either there had been a picture or somebody writing an article on it by now. Yeah, I've but, heard it, but I haven't I, – I, I haven't seen like, oh – there he is, like a picture of him or anything <laughs> like that. Like, right. know, obviously these guys have masks on and all that, but I, I, I've heard it. I haven't seen anything credible with my own eyes that says right. he was there. Yeah, me either. So let's jump up to lockdown, Larry. Then the next question on the mailbag. He says, "What are the plans at corner? I love the trade up, but obviously not drafting a top tier corner anymore, and it doesn't seem like we are going to sign one. So who's, excuse me, who's starting with Verrett? So let's just." Peel K1 Williams off that because he's, you know, he's their nickel corner. Um, and yeah, you, you assume Verrett's starting after, especially after how he played last year. So you got Emmanuel Mosley, you got Dante Johnson. What do you think, Croc? It's just talking about it this way just makes it even more obvious they're going to draft a guy, but what do you think? Yeah, not nah, definitely. I think they're going to draft a couple guys. Um, yeah. the depth is very thin and even the guys behind Dante Johnson is like Tim, Tim Harris, right? Yeah, he's he's way back there. Yeah, I don't – yeah. Now, they got to draft a couple guys, like maybe three corners. <laughs> like, I would draft three because next year you're not going to have a red, period. And you'll have Mosley for another year. But, again, we've talked about his situation, and I don't even know if they view him as a starter. So, you definitely have to kind of load up and take your swings at the cornerback position in this draft. I think it's much needed. And it's been – I don't want to say long overdue. But it's been a, it's been a position to where it's like, uh, okay, well, we got Witherspoon. Like, oh, uh, okay, well, we got Sherman. Okay, well, we got Mosley. He started games. Oh, and then we got Verrett. Like, they've been kind of like patching it up and having guys that can play. But now is that the position where it's kind of, de- it's kind of depleted now. So I think at this point, you kind of have to like replenish it and maybe take a swing on three guys. You know who took a swing on three guys? It was, um, I think Balky, please draft Acker, Dante Johnson, and someone else. 
Uh, Reese? Was it Reese? It, I could swear that was his last name. He ended up playing like the AAF. Reese, Keith Reese. Yeah, Reese. So yeah, I think they drafted, did he draft all three of those in the same draft? It might have been. I mean, I could, I could do some Google. I think it was right Johnson, Reeser, and Acker. Or, um, who's the other guy? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Reeser was 2014. Okay. Dante Johnson. Come on. 2014. Google. He was 2014. Yep. yep. So and then Acker. Was and then Acker. Yep. Kenneth Acker. I think that was his name. Yep. Uh, yep, 2014. Yeah, okay. So boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. I don't, I don't know how I remember that. But, um, that was impressive, you, bro. That was impressive. Yeah, you know, you take a swing on three guys and you'll see, and at the end of the day, people can say whatever about Dante Johnson, but he's still in the NFL. So to right. me, that's a, yeah, that's a good I, pick. I didn't as a like mid-round, all the hate he was getting, man. Like, yeah, as a mid round guy. Right. You know. So, it was. He, he came in, he came in clutch for the 49ers last season, man. And he played through some injuries and, you know, you got to take him for what it's worth. He's not, you know, the guy you want starting now, but anybody that can hang around in the league that long and provide good depth and step in the pinch, like those are valuable guys to have. And like, I feel like everybody gets judged as if they're the starter when like you need solid veteran depth and guys that can be comfortable to come in. You know, if, if things start going wrong, guys that just you, you don't assume are just an absolute liability, you know, and we saw that with the uh, the Allen game, and, uh, you know, I just thought Dante Johnson got way too much hate when they re-signed him for what he's supposed to be, right? 